Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. Each episode, our special guest will bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is critic and podcaster Jen Adams. You've heard her on the Horror Virgin podcast, the Losers Club, and the recently released Psychoanalysis podcast. You've read her work at various places, including the Horror Virgin website and at Consequence of Sound. Welcome to the show, Jen! Thanks! I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Thank you so oh, much for having me. Oh my gosh, we are so excited to talk about this movie. But <laughs> first, before we talk about this movie, um, how did you get into horror? I, you know, I've kind of always been um, interested in and drawn to it. And it was just something that was so exciting to me. I think probably my entryway in was Stephen King. And mm. I just okay. am such a huge Stephen King fan. Anybody oh, yeah. who's known me for more than five minutes probably knows that. Um, <laughs> you have and, no opinions on D- on Dr. Sleep, though, I know. Oh, no, not at all. No, I don't <laughs> love that movie with every breath of my, my being. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just love it. And I could talk your ear off about Stephen King. Um, But yeah, that was probably my entryway into horror. And then, um, and I wasn't allowed to watch a ton of stuff. So I watched a lot of movies at my friend's house. But Stephen King, my dad had a lot of Stephen King books. So I could um, like sneak those in my room. And I also remember like um, recording things secretly in the middle of the night and then watching Uh them in the middle of the night so that my parents didn't know I was watching them. So yeah. That part is so funny to me because like I someone uh Brennan Brennan Klein was talking about recently doing a uh a mini podcast series on the uh on Fred what is it Freddy's Nightmares I think it's called or is that what it was called the television show was it Freddy's Nightmares I, I can't remember what it's what it's called. now I'm like <laughs> drawing a blank but it it's it's one of those shows that aired and I remember trying to stay up late 
and outlive out past my parents so that I could watch this show because mm-hmm. it was on late at night and I fell asleep and they apparently found me sleepwalking downstairs to go watch it at oh one point goodness. so like I completely <laughs> understand that desire of like sneaking sneaking out after dark or recording things after dark to try to yeah Freddy's Nightmares that's what it's called Freddy's Nightmares Nightmare. series yeah mm. Mm, I never heard of that before it was very short-lived. Okay. <laughs> so it, it's weird how Stephen King seems to be a, a gateway for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. What was the first Stephen King book that you remember reading? The Stand. It was my first and favorite. Oh, wow. still. oh my God. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> how old were you? I was, I probably, it was when the uh, miniseries came out and, you mm. know, I don't have a concrete memory, but I think I probably read some night shift short stories before that. And now okay. that I'm actually talking about it. I was a huge fan of fear street too. Um, oh, of, oh, hell yeah. Same. <laughs> so that might've been a little bit before, but yeah, I watched the miniseries and then my dad had that book on the shelf and I was like, Oh, this is, this is awesome. I've got to get more like Franny and, and stew together. And I just like devoured it and it's still my favorite book. I have never read Fear Street, any of the Fear Street you books. You haven't? They're no. so good. Fuck, they're so good. Like, yes. the Fear Street, I really liked Goosebumps, and then I went up to Fear Street, mm-hmm. and then there was a couple other, like, young adult authors, like Christopher Pike, who wrote, like, horror books for teens, and, like, mm-hmm. I consumed them at a ridiculous rate. Like, they're so good. They really I, are. Yeah. I went from Goosebumps to Stephen King. Um, oh, okay. So. <laughs> you just like went right to it. <laughs> See, and no I never bridge. read Goosebumps. Like, I oh, think yeah. I, I don't know if I was just okay. too old and it was just by the time Goosebumps came out, I was already reading Stephen King or if I just mm. missed it. But yeah. Oh, man, I fucking love Goosebumps. <laughs> I did, too. God. Yeah, my uh, my teacher, actually, was it fifth, fourth or fifth grade? My teacher read uh, the very first Goosebumps to us in class. And from there on, it was like, I was like hooked. <laughs> so is that good. the one about the the dummy the um the you know i don't know oh, yeah i is read one of those a... for a book club about a couple of months ago welcome like, oh. to dead house that was the first book that's the first mm. one yeah <laughs> yeah night of the living dummy that's what i read but that's yeah. not the first one <laughs> oh fear street was so good though it was like <laughs> it and really i feel was. like such an adult for reading them too because like they were like kind of gory and like mm-hmm. the teens the teens said curse words and i was like Ooh, i'm an adult <laughs> um but anyway <laughs> they were great so how did how did the horror virgin podcast begin um so they it, you know i had a friend um, that I knew back in like church youth group. Um, and that was Clint and he had a friend that he went to high school with and that was Todd. And they had been talking about like starting a podcast forever. And I think they had had one before that didn't do very well. Um, and talking about, cause Todd hates horror movies. And so that, and Clint <laughs> loves them. He's like a oh. huge, like gore hound, you know? And so they'd been talking about that. And then I bumped into Clint at like a youth group reunion and we started talking about it. And he was like, Hey, I think like it it was like the pieces all came together, you know, and so we just started. And then about 20 episodes in, Clint had to leave for some personal reasons and everything's fine. But um, so we just kind of and that's when Mikey came on. So that's that was kind of everything kind of came together to to birth the horror virgin. (laughs) (laughs) Does he still hate? Uh, horror movies he really does yeah Pe- <laughs> like people will say like oh he must be like getting desensitized to them but but like as because normally what we do when we're not quarantined is we watch the movies together and mm. then we record right after and i would like mm. record some of the times when he gets really scared jump scares really get him like oh. sinister is maybe the most oh. terrified i've ever seen him <laughs> oh no i love it <laughs> i love amazing. it <laughs> 
Yeah, he's like kicked over the ottoman a couple of times, and oh my like, he'll god, button his shirt up over his face. Yeah, it's really oh. funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, those are the best people to watch horror movies with, though. They really are. Honestly. Yeah, it is really fun. Yeah. It kind of takes you out of how scared you are a lot of times. It does. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, why did you want to do a podcast about psychoanalysis? Yes, I was so excited about this. Um, so I have always been, I think part of the reason I was drawn to horror is because I'm just fascinated with why people do things mm-hmm. um, and kind of like their motivations. And I think if I went back to school for like no strings attached or anything, I would want to study anthropology because I just think it's so fascinating. Mm. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like why people are scared of certain things. And I think that really tells you a lot about who a person is. And so I've always kind of been drawn to that. And then um, in the last um, maybe five, well, maybe five to 10 years, I've just been going to therapy, started to realize I had a lot of issues that I hadn't dealt with and didn't Mm -hmm. really understand. um, And just seen what therapy has done for me. Um, in my life. And I write a lot of blogs for the horror virgin and they just, I kind of just write about whatever I'm feeling. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it just happened to be about mental health. Like I wrote some about Mm. PTSD and I wrote some about addiction with Dr. Sleep. Um, And I actually have read quite a few of those blogs in therapy. Um, And so I was just thinking like, this is, this is something that has really helped me and seeing the way that therapy and watching horror movies has helped me kind of understand some of my fears and overcome them and kind of like experience empowerment, even when I don't necessarily have it. right now in my life. So I just was, you know, and you know where we all are right now with this, like who knows what tomorrow is going to bring. It just (laughs) kind of seemed like the right time. Awesome. Yeah. So cool. That is really cool. Sorry. I was taking a drink. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's been, Um, it was been, we've done three episodes now and it's, it's just been really great conversation and kind of helped me work through some things. And so I'm excited about it. And then um, how did you how did you get into writing? Because I know that you, like you said, you write for the, the Horror Virgin website and you also are at Consequence of Sound. How did that come about? Um, yeah. So even like saying like I write for Consequence of Sound still <laughs> kind of kicks up my imposter syndrome a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but not really. Um, So I, when we joined the Consequence of Sound Network, when Horror Virgin did, um, Mm. I just kind of started to become friends with Michael Rothman, who's the editor-in-chief over there, Mm -hmm. um, and just talking about podcast stuff. And then we just happened to be talking about Dr. Sleep. And I said, well, hey, I just wrote this thing because Dr. Sleep and The Shining, like they have like such a big place in my mental health journey. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote this thing about it. It took me forever to write it. And so he just wanted, he said, well, send it to me. And so I sent it to him and we just talked about it. And then about a week later, he said, let me know when you want to start pitching um, op-eds. And I was like, okay, well, what's a pitch? Um, And what's an (laughs) (laughs) op-ed? And so, but then it just kind of one day he uh, messaged me and he said, hey, do you want to do write a thing about the Dr. Sleep, the differences between the movie and the director's cut? And I said, oh. of course, I said, OK, because I've learned the hard way that if you say no, sometimes like those opportunities don't come around mm-hmm. again. Yeah. So I said yes. And then I figured out how to do it. <laughs> and um, it, it turned out really well. Like he actually Mike Flanagan retweeted it, which was one of the that's cooler awesome. moments oh, in my life. That's so fucking cool. I know. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. So. 
So yeah, there's still part of me that kind of pinches myself whenever I like get an assignment or like I see one of my pieces get published and I'm sure he's like annoyed by getting my crying emojis. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, it's real. Uh, own it. That's awesome. I know. I really need to start doing that. <laughs> but it's also kind of nice to be like, oh my God, I get to do this. For my li- part as part of my life, and it's I pretty know. cool. <laughs> like, it, it is, is really so cool. weird, but cool. And like, hey, that's my dream right there. Writing, mm, exactly. Yeah, there's so many times I've been like, yeah, just like throwing final girls, and that's my life's work. And I just got to work on that last weekend. <laughs> so, so, so cool. cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that awesome. it was really nice. <laughs> Terry, do we want to talk about what we've been watching recently? Definitely. So, Terry, what have you been watching recently? So, um, in my Never-ending quest to catch up on movies that I own. <laughs> I watched this ridiculous movie. I okay. mean, it's. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about it. It's called Doom Asylum. <laughs> okay, I like the name. And it's from 1988, okay. and it opens up with a scene of this lawyer and his wife, I think. And they're driving in a convertible, and they they're drinking while they're driving. You know. And they start making out while they're driving, and then they get into a car crash and are completely thrown from their car. He drags himself across the ground, screaming, Judy, Judy. And when he gets to her, he grabs her arm and then realizes that it's detached from her body. Oh, oh, God. And she dies. He dies, sort of. And there's a, the next scene is them operating like do, uh, he's on the uh, autopsy table and the, the morgue attendants are like have cut him open and stuff and it turns out he's still alive and oh my god he gets up and kills them and then decides to <laughs> haunt this building which is now an asylum I'm not quite but he, sure but he's the connection not, but he's a real person who is yes. ha- a live person who is haunting an asylum yes. Okay. And he's like okay. missing half of his flesh, like, oh. like he's mostly like muscly, like on his on his like half of his face. I'm sending mm. you a picture in in chat. Um, but like, I oh my I, god, it's, <laughs> I just looked at the picture. So, it's it's so it's so weird. Like he he de- it definitely is coming from that era after like Freddy when Freddy like is wisecracking every two minutes because every single kill he has something weird to say like this one this one punk girl um she like begs him not to kill her because she's actually republican she voted for reagan and so he kills her and then he's like he makes some kind of quip about well i i respect your first amendment i don't necessarily agree (laughs) this is (laughs) (laughs) i kind of love it though and like there's this weird part. I tweeted I tweeted a, a video of it the night I watched it, but there's this weird part where there's this girl who's played by the same actress that played Judy. I don't really know their connection. I don't know if oh. like she's supposed to be her daughter and they come back to this asylum because this you know it's it's the eighties. All these kids go to the asylum and they you know to party and whatnot. Oh, but, you know that's where you chill. <laughs> well, yeah, but she and her boyfriend like he, she starts calling him mom. Oh God, uh uh-uh. uh, too mm. much. Like, too much. 
he he makes like this comment about like you know how he's always going to be there for you um not like i guess like your mom would be but not like your mom or but maybe kind of like your mom and then she's like can i call you mom he's like yeah if you want and then she calls him mom the rest of the time when he tries to kiss her she's like no that's incestual Mm. it's so weird it's so weird. I have no idea what's happening, and I would like to see it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the the killer spends like a good chunk of his time watching this old movie that I can't quite tell if it's a real movie or if it's something <laughs> they shot for the film. But there is like scenes devoted to this black and white movie that he is watching. It is such a weird, weird ass movie. I'm so glad I saw it, but it is so it's so fucking weird. Was it an Arrow? It was. It was okay. an Arrow release. And I, it, it got now. me because the cover. I love the new cover I was going to say, did. the cover is awesome. Like, with yeah. the reflection in the, like, in the saw. That's such yeah. a cool cover. I would have that as a poster. It really is. They Their art they've been pumping out recently has been really legit. And it's made me buy stuff. <laughs> Slashing with a snicker. Slaughter with a smirk. Doom <laughs> Asylum. But but see, that makes me want to watch it. And, like, I I t- like, they're doing a good job selling it because I don't care. This movie looks hilarious it it is a little ridiculous it it kind of gets a little long in the tooth even Mm. at like an hour and 17 minutes oh god that's the worst (laughs) oh that's the fucking worst it's um it's definitely an entertaining romp i would say okay okay but to go from that i also saw the new movie that's coming out and i know you have to mary beth amulet yes which is directed by a woman um, who is an actress, Ramola Garai. Mm-hmm. And it is a bonkers movie as well. <laughs> For different reasons. <laughs> For much different reasons. It has, um, it's about this ex-soldier who is homeless in London, and he's offered a place to stay at this decaying house, and there's this young woman that lives there with her mother who is sickly and and dying and it's cut between like him now and him in the past with this other woman and there's something demonic going on potentially and i don't it's so it's so good but it's so weird what 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 do you think mary beth i definitely was like lukewarm on it when i first saw it and the more i think about it the more i really really enjoy it it's like super ambitious and weird Mm. i wish it had been weird the whole time I think there's like a very, very, very distinct shift at the end. Yeah. And I think there's sprinkles of that in the beginning. And I just, I think it's going to lose some people with like kind of the slowness of the beginning. But again, like I feel like that's kind of the horror formula now is like a little bit slow and then a good payoff. Mm-hmm. The payoff is absolutely batch insane. It's um, so gothic though. Like, yeah. Mary Beth, you and I were kind of talking offline about, about the fact that like it, it really feels pulled from like those kind of gothic romances that from um that you would read from like either like Wuthering Heights or like Jane Eyre from like a the crazy woman in the attic type thing and like the way it subverts that is really interesting. Yeah, and I have I'm not as familiar, or I guess I wasn't thinking about it as much when I was watching it, so I need to rewatch it with like that kind of thinking. But it's really, I mean, like it's truly unique which i'm yeah and like goddamn women directors in horror are like killing the game this month mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. well i guess saint mod's not coming out anymore but when it was <laughs> when it was <laughs> yeah 
between that and and relic and this yeah have have you heard of amulet chen i have not heard of it but i need to seek it out now because it sounds fascinating i feel like it's not often that you hear gothic and bonkers in the same sentence you know so i'm right. down for that yes. Yes. It definitely feels like that kind of gothic romance that you would that I am I I mean I was an English major so like it's it's I read so many of the like British lit from that from that period. Yeah. And so like to see it kind of on screen as this like more modernized kind of take on it but still pulling in a lot of the like he's a conflicted man who's like talking about like how he's a good man who's done bad things and it was bringing to mind like the kind of romanticism of like Heathcliff back in the day and mm. uh Mr. Rochester and so like there's all of that aspect to it as well as this kind of cuckoo bananas <laughs> demonic aspect of it that's just I, I, not to spoil anything but there is a fucking bat that's in a toilet like a bat rat it's skinless yes, it's hairless me. and it's that's not a spoiler because boy what? oh boy it's fucking weird it's so fucking weird <laughs> a bat rat it's, it's it is yeah it's really the more that i sat on it and thought about it the more i did enjoy it um it's yeah i've got to see this be, movie <laughs> yeah it's gonna be polarizing i think pretty polarizing um well, it's also coming out, I think, the 24th. Um, yeah, so it'll so be out soon. So it's coming out soon. Yeah, so we'll be excited to see what people think of and that movie. For for my, my gay fans, uh, Alec Sicarnio. I can't, I can't help pronounce you. his last name. <laughs> but he was in uh, God's Own Country. Ugh, so He good. is the main character in this, and he is still delightfully hot to stare at. He's also a good actor. He's a very good actor. But he is also really hot. Yeah. <laughs> both both is good yes both both is really good um as we'll probably talk about later on tonight. i know i will oh, yes um, I... <laughs> <laughs> but that that's the two uh that that i saw uh this week what about you mary beth okay so i'm gonna talk about two but just before i go to the two i've watched that i really want to talk about i finally watched the witch subversion and i mm. loved it um, so good, Freddie. Freddie, thank you for for suggesting it. The Witch version is now on Netflix, everybody. So if you're looking for a wild Korean thriller horror action, horror action thing, um, please watch it. It is so worth it. It is absolutely bananagrams. So, has a great twist too. Has a very good twist. So the first movie I'm going to talk about is um, found footage. Surprise, surprise. I watched this film called The Blackwater Vampire shocking i know um <laughs> i had been holding off on watching this one because i feel like a lot of found footage horror movies with creatures are kind of cheesy mm -hmm. um i was pleasantly surprised by this um by this film it came out in 2014 and it's basically a crew a documentary crew goes into the woods to document or to tell a story about the killings that happened in blackwater and how the person who is being convicted and is facing death row for it is not actually guilty. Mm. And then they find out that the truth. Very basic found footage format. Mm. Um, it's compared a lot to the Blair Witch Project. I don't mm. see... I, I can understand the comparison because, like, they're in the woods as a documentary crew. But, like... It's also very similar in name, right? BWV. Yeah, the block. Well, I didn't even think about that. Um, and so, like, I read on Letterboxd some of the reviews, and they were like, this is just a ripoff. And I don't think so. 
in my opinion, it is not a ripoff of the Blair Witch Project. It takes a lot of cues from the Blair Witch Project, but it does a lot of really... What weird... found footage doesn't, though? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of found footage that takes place in the woods with the documentary crew is going to have some Blair Witch ripoffs because the Blair Witch, like, set basically the tone for the entire genre of found footage. Mm-hmm. And so I really enjoyed it. The creature design is really awesome. And they have a lot of really harrowing shots and moments that I thought were really well done. There's this, there's a sequence where they sh- they're actually filmed with the ki- with the, um, the serial killer who they think has killed all these women. And it's like really creepy the way they film with him and talk with him. So I think it's well worth it's streaming on Amazon Prime. And it's good. I mean, have either of you seen it or even heard of it? I have no, not I heard of it. I haven't heard of it until you, had, I think, tweeted about it. Okay. That's, I mean, and that's fair. It's one of those smaller ones. But again, mm-hmm. it's one of those, like, hidden gems that is on Amazon Prime that is definitely mm-hmm. worth your time. And it's, like, less than an hour and a half. And if you like found footage, I think you would enjoy it. I love found footage, so I'm down. <laughs> yes! Hell yeah. The, the Blackwater Vampire is super awesome. Um, found footage and vampires, right? And exactly. I love vampires, just, too. So, yeah. I'll just exactly. let you guys talk. Me I'll just too. sit back. <laughs> and, and I was like, I knew that I had wanted to watch it because I was like, it's got vampires and it, it's found footage, but I was so nervous it was going to be bad. And I was like, I don't mm. want to. I'm not ready, but I was not disappointed. So, hey, it's great. That's awesome. Um, and then I finally watched Excision. Um, oh, yeah. which is from 2012 2012 I think um, shout out to Tony Kaufman who wrote an article about this movie for Gaily Pride uh, Gaily Helpful for Pride Month and got me to finally watch Excision it basically is about a girl who discovers that she's got a fetish for blood um, yeah that's like I don't want to spoil it but it's like it's got so Anna Anna Lynn McCord plays Pauline, the main character, and she was in I think the reboot of Nine Hundred Two One Zero that I was obsessed with, as, which <laughs> shows my age, um, shows my whole baby age. But she was in that show, <laughs> and I was like, she's in a horror movie, and I wish she was in more fucking horror movies. She was amazing in this film, and she wants to be a surgeon, and so she has these really intense like sexual dreams about like performing surgery and having sex with people after surgery it's very weird but it's like done in such a really fascinating way in terms of visual style because they contrast her dreams that are like these very like stark stylized design sets to like the suburban house suburban household where she is like very much like an acne cover teenager and so it's real gory and real fucked up, but I really enjoyed like the transformation you watch of Pauline becoming more confident in herself as she embraces her sexuality rather than being scared of it. It's so funny that you mentioned the the, the different ways it's it's filmed because I'll be honest, when I was trying to find uh, pictures to include in his article, I was like, "Is this from the same movie?" Yes, like some of it <laughs> yeah. is like very artful and almost like painterly, yes. like kind of like renaissance gothic type Mm -hmm. and then some of it is like pimply teenager so it was really weird to like am i pulling from the right movie yeah well because in in her idealized version of herself she's like super hot and in like super tight clothes and her hair is perfect because like if you're in your own fantasy of course Mm -hmm. and so i i'm glad i finally watched it it is i don't think it's available i think it's on streaming on prime actually but it's a really cool look at that kind of like teenage girl coming of age like losing her virginity story but from like a very macabre angle that i really really enjoyed so he makes very weird movies richard bates jr he does make very weird movies and i liked this one because it had like a blue velvety vibe in terms of Mm. like how the suburbs were portrayed as like very strange and like uncanny despite it being the normal 
And I just, the tone of the whole movie is just like kind of funny and kind of awful. And I love that. So. Have you seen Tone Deaf? I have not seen Tone Deaf. Okay. Have you, Jen? I haven't. Mm-mm. I was just wondering, because, like, I did not like that movie. Okay. <laughs> and, like, and I, I wasn't quite sure, because, like, I've, I've heard people are real mixed on it, but, like, um, I, it, it seems like a very eccentric kind of director. Yeah, I would definitely so I say curious. that. Ex- it's, excision is weird, yeah. but, like, the weird that I love. Hmm. So Awesome. I'll have to watch his other movies and see if I like them as much. But yeah, I would recommend this one. It's the one that always gets like talked about with with um, him as like the, probably his his best movie. I would um, agree. Yeah. I know, but like, yeah, I haven't seen the only one of his I've, I've ever seen was Tone Death, and I was okay. like, this is not working for me. <laughs> Jen, what have you been watching or enjoying recently? Um, so I've been watching a lot of stuff that like either for podcasts or for writing stuff. And I really just have kind of had a list that I've needed to check off. Um, and one, which I'm sure you guys know, like sometimes you're like, I just want to sit down and watch something without taking notes on it. (laughs) And like one time I was watching, I can't even remember what it was. And I found my brain, like I had to shift it out of like consciously remembering everything that was happening and just Mm. kind of like letting the movie flow with me and I didn't even remember what it was I guess because I wasn't taking notes on it but um, (laughs) so I just did a piece about female action stars for Consequence and I have been watching Birds of Prey um, Mm. which I will I am never going to shut up about how amazing that movie is because I never shut up about that movie that movie is perfection it is so good yes and I mean more people should watch it Um, but I I didn't rent it I bought it because I just knew what was what would happen is what happened I've just been kind of putting it on repeat in the background Mm -hmm. and just like looking up at some of the the like the roller skate part that just makes me cry sometimes so i've been watching that but then i also went down a dc um superheroes hole which was maybe not my favorite although there are some bright spots in there um but another one that i was writing about and this is like not obscure at all but i recently rewatched the sixth sense um from like 1999 yeah. yeah i was that was when i was assigned for the we're doing this um 100 greatest blockbusters and that's one of the few like horror blockbusters you know um but i remember when it came out and i think it was 1999 and i remember everyone was oh, obsessed yeah. with it and it's like what i was i was watching it and i was thinking this movie is so known for its spoiler ending or like its crazy twist ending that you forget how good it is you know yeah and i was watching it and i was watching the scene with tony collette in the car and just like crying my eyes out and like just looking at all of these performances and like this kid who just like has so many problems and is just trying to make everybody happy even though he's miserable all the time and i was like this is a really good movie and i think we just forget about that because we're so focused on like i'm not gonna spoil the spoiler that everyone in the world probably knows but like if you've somehow managed to avoid it i'm not gonna be the one to spoil it for you um (laughs) (laughs) but i feel like that has so overshadowed that movie that we forget like it's a really good movie and it's really scary in parts too it It is is. i rewatched it recently because someone was like hey want to watch the sixth sense and i was like yeah, sure, why the fuck not? And I was like, mm-hmm. damn, even if you know the ending, it really is like, effective and 
beautiful and so sad like you said like it's so sad (laughs) like I found myself forgetting that the big twist was gonna come because I was just so invested in like this kid and his mom and their like family dynamic it was and and that that moment where like I think it's Misha Barton with her like terrible story like that really hit me too it was like oh my goodness like watching the dad watch that videotape oh oh my god that's just so Terrible, yeah. So that made me cry a lot, <laughs> a lot more than I was ready for. Um, and, and so the thing, I've been working from home, and I kind of just like to have things on in the background. So the thing that I've been watching right now is Supernatural. Oh, really? Someone yeah. else that we talked to has been like revisiting Supernatural. I never watched it before. I think okay. um, there's a lot that I love about Dawson's Creek, but I think that it ruined me for a lot of CW shows um, uh. because I missed Buffy the Vampire Slayer because I think I was like, oh, that's on CW. I'm done with that. And I missed Supernatural. And now I'm going back and watching both of them. Like, these are really good. And this is so my shit. Like, why? Why was I not? And I just think I was so like, I just prejudged them because of the network they were on. But like, I understand that, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if it was maybe one tree hill where i was just like i can't do this anymore Um, (laughs) but it's interesting and like i look at it through this lens of like this was like 10 10 ish years ago this because i'm on season four right now like we've moved forward in a lot of ways in television like there's much more um diverse representation that is not really present yet but i mean it's it's a lot better than i thought it was gonna be and it's funny because like the first season it was very monster of the week and mm. then, which I, there's nothing wrong with that, but I was like, how's this thing going to go on for 15 seasons? Um, <laughs> and just like the creativity and where the seasons go has kind of been shocking me. It's like, oh, wow. Well, somebody's already been to hell and come back and just like how that whole story played out. It's like, huh. Yeah, so I I'm need, into it. I need to keep watching because I had this similar thing where like, I watched it and I was like, oh, this is okay, but I don't really know like what else I could get out of it. And mm-hmm. then multiple people have just talked about how it is so good. And I was like, Ugh. and then I, I, of course, I don't, I judged it based on its stands on Tumblr. I think I was scared of <laughs> supernatural stands for a while because they're like mm-hmm. very intense, but maybe it's time. Well, I will say it's helping it that it's a background show. Yeah. Because, you know, I like, and I also watched Gilmore Girls as my background show before that, which was really good too. But I think like the parts that would annoy me if I were just sitting and watching it without doing anything else, I kind of just tune out and then I zone over to like the really cool stuff or like the really great episodes. I'll walk over and just sit and like while I'm eating lunch or something. So that's, that's helping it a lot because I don't notice as many of the rough edges. It seems like a good quarantine show. It has been great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's really not... Like, sometimes I tried to watch Hannibal, and I really want to watch Hannibal. But I, I was just... And that's what I've heard... I'm not great with body horror, so that was what originally turned me off when it was originally airing. Um, but I started watching that first episode, and I was like, "This, I love this, but I cannot emotionally handle this right now because it was just very dark." So yeah. I was like, "I'm going to either like take this in like little bites, or I'm going to like come back to it at another time in my life because because I know that I would love it, but I also just." It's not where my head is. My head can't really go there right now, you know? That's valid. It's a pretty intense show. I love mm-hmm. it. But again, like, it is, you cannot watch it unless you are in a very particular <laughs> mental state to right. watch someone get eaten. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. 
So we've talked about what we've all been watching recently, but Jen, what film are we talking about today? You guys, we are watching Fright Night. I am so excited. For real. For real. For real. (laughs) So in case you've never seen Fright Night, uh, Charlie Brewster becomes sexually confused when he discovers his new neighbor is a hot vampire, played by Chris (laughs) Sarandon, who I love dearly. Mm. Um, Me too. (laughs) <laughs> Toy between his girlfriend and a pair of unmarried gents, he enlists the aid of a closet <laughs> television host to vanquish his burgeoning desire. Terry, this is a very good... Uh... <laughs> I was just going to say, I love this reading of it. I was going to say, well, Terry really like got in, like really went into the analysis of This is Frank. one of my favorite movies. I love this movie, and <laughs> I'm so excited so that we're talking about good. it. Good. So, Jen, how old were you when you first saw this film, and why did it scare you? Um, so, I was, I think I was eight the first okay. time I saw this this um and like i said like i watched this at my friend's house and she had older siblings who were in like middle school and high school and so i think and it was just one of those houses where like a lot of people would spend the night and it was kind of like the kid hang house oh yeah okay and so the older kids were watching this and i like i don't know if they knew i was in the room but i was just kind of chilling um and watching it and it scared the shit out of me i took (laughs) everything like i thought it was literal like i was like oh my gosh this is terrifying and so then at the end of it um i have this memory of like the tv and then the stereo right next to it and the credits were still scrolling and i this was the first time i'd ever heard the song living on a prayer Mm. Um, Uh. and i they must have turned the volume on the tv down and the radio up but i thought it was like the end credits of the movie like (laughs) that credit song and i was like yeah they are like i I, in my mind for the longest time that song was written about this movie oh like they're halfway there like i remember when like charlie and um and um peter vincent are walking into the basement like yeah they gotta live on a prayer to get through this (laughs) i love that so much and so that song has always seemed like a little darker to me than it probably does to most people. Um, but wow. that's my memory. And then like going home and being terrified because it, it like it's it, I mean, now. So I made my husband watch it with me pretty soon after we got married and I was like oh my god this movie is so scary like you're not gonna be able to believe it it's so scary and we were watching it and he looked over me and he's like this is pretty silly (laughs) and I was like yeah and I think it's probably just because I built it up so much as like this really scary movie um and I was like yeah I think it is like now I can see kind of the the camp in it and like the the horror comedy elements which I make me love it even more but like before I was terrified and that's where like all of my vampire lore comes from this movie hell like, yeah this is, these are the rule the vampire rules because Fright Night they says are. so that's, yes. am- that's amazing um, is there a, was there like a particular scene or like moment that you remember really scaring the shit out of you yep when he is in Charlie's bedroom ah uh, um, yes yeah <laughs> and he ends up stabbing him through the hand yes! with the pencil it's so scary I also love that this movie just like at the very beginning is like it's scary bitch like I feel like it doesn't like hold back in showing you the monster which I very mm. much love about this movie I do too especially when your monster looks like um, Chris looks like Chris oh. oh god can we just talk about him real quick can we just uh, do yeah. it okay. yes God damn. <laughs> I know, man. Oh, this he can was, rock a sweater. He oh. can. Okay, and so, like, on Harvard, we kind of have a joke where, like, um, I love guys that wear sweaters. And it's... <laughs> 
Um, and it's kind of like there's they somebody started an, a Twitter account called Jen Sweater Bank, and they'll just like post like <laughs> hot guys in sweater pictures for me, which is very considerate. But this was the birth of that because in that scene, like the club scene, oh my god, where he's wearing that sweater and oh my god, oh, that it, scene, yes, that scene when you know I, I that. I, when I saw this as a kid, that scene, it was like, I didn't know what was going on, but I wanted to be Amy. <laughs> uh-huh. Right? Oh, did. my God. But then, like, especially <laughs> at the beginning where, like, you first see him and he's, like, sensually, like, playing with that woman's neck. And I was like, mm-hmm. hello, well-oiled chest. Hello. Oh, my God. And his so eyes in that scene. Oh, oh, my God. When he looks up and, like, <laughs> but then Okay, but then I was like, oh, my God, he's making eyes at our mm-hmm. boy. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So this kind of leads into uh, when when I first saw this as a kid. I don't remember how old I was, but like I remember it was one of my favorite movies as, as a kid. Um, my dad introduced it to me. He loved like Dracula was his favorite vampire, so like he would always introduce me to the original Dracula or Nosferatu mm. or even up to like uh, Horror of Dracula, the Hammer film. Oh yeah. And so this was the first time that I really saw like I really took vampires as like quote-unquote real because in that in those it was always like some kind of gothic castle or it was like in some place away from me whereas like this was like in the real world quote-unquote you know what i mean yeah like he's he's like next door he's in suburbia he's like he could be my neighbor um <laughs> and it what's so weird talking about the scene in the beginning where he uh he bites the girl on the neck and through the window i had never seen that scene growing up because my parents had a rule no sex. So anytime there was going to be nudity on the screen or there was some kind of sexual thing, I had to close my eyes. No titties so for Terry. No titties for Terry, which, <laughs> I mean, come on. It, it doesn't really, really just, bother it, me. I was going to say, really just, <laughs> oh my God. But what's so weird is that, like, I equated, because, like, I, every single time I hear that song now, I equate that music with, with sex. Like, because oh, it's that, it's that kind of like, because, like, I would have my eyes closed and I didn't know what was going on, but I knew that I couldn't see it. And if, mm. if I couldn't see it, it had to be inappropriateness or nakedness. And so there's two scenes in the movie. The first one is when he's biting the woman in the window. And then the second one is when he's, you know, taking away <laughs> Amy's virginity or, mm. yeah, Amy's virginity, like, I couldn't see it. All I heard was that music. And that music, whenever I hear it, it always makes me think of sex. I mean, wow. it's good sex music. It is good sex music. It is a good sex music. It's definitely very pornotastic for uh-huh. sure. <laughs> but yeah, like I I loved I love this movie growing up and I, I still I still do He's, to this day. He is Chris Sarandon is such a good vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like the air of confidence around that man is just like and he just plays one so well. And, like, I I forgot that he was uh, Prince Humperdinck in <laughs> The Princess Ride. And then he was the voice of Jack Skellington in Nightmare Before That's Christmas. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right, he was. And so, like, I always... I, Nightmare Before Christmas was, like, my favorite shit as a kid. Like, I loved it so much. And then just, like, realizing that he's in so many horror movies. And, like, oh, and he was in Child's Play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, my God, he has not been... He hasn't been sexier than this movie, I think. Oh, no. Few opinion. men have, honestly. Few <laughs> men has been as sexy as him. I, I agree. Oh. How yeah. old were you when you saw this, Mary Beth? I have 
have no idea. So I have no, I know I've seen this before and I know this because I used to have this very s- silly ritual when I was a kid. Like one of my chores was to fold laundry. And so my favorite, I love to fold the laundry because that meant I could go into my parents' room, sit on their bed and watch TV while I folded laundry. And that's how I'd always find like horror movies to watch. Like you go on demand to go to like Fearnet or like one of like the random channels that we had and look through what there was on, on their on demand. And so I saw Fright Night, and it was vampires. And I, I was at the, I think I was like in middle school, so I already loved vampires. And I put it on while I was folding laundry, and like just enjoyed myself watching a vampire movie as I folded my whole entire family's pants and socks and stuff, which is like a very <laughs> weird, like specific memory. Mm-hmm. But it was one of my comfort movies that I would watch, and I really, I remember really enjoying it. I remember nothing about it other than Chris Sarandon, but um, I don't remember it scaring me though. I think I remember loving it because. I love vampires that look really hot and are actually really ugly. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm very into that kind of vampire. So I think that was, like, kind of, like, a a moment when I was like, all right, this is the kind of vampire I love. And also the cover, the cover art with the vampire, like, the vampire over the house. Oh, it's an awesome, the cover art is so good. I think it scared, that scared me more and got me into watching it. And I liked it when I watched it, but I wasn't as scared as I thought I was going to be by that poster. Yeah, that that poster, like I, I, it's one of the the best from the eighties. I still love it mm-hmm. so much. It's just so like good. that, that face, that face, like just etched itself into my my brain. And I, I think special effects in this movie are really good. I, I still think they hold up really well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, especially when um, is it when Evil Eddie dies and he's like transforming from mm. a wolf, and it's like the most heartbreaking thing, and it like goes on for a long time, and you're just very sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really sad. I like the more I watch this now, like Ed just breaks my heart in this movie, right? And, and Terry, I, I know you have some feelings about Ed. Oh boy, do I have feelings about Ed? <laughs> Jen, I have sorry. feelings about this scene. Jen, what were you going to say before? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut oh, you off. Oh no, I just like that. That's what I think was really scary for me was like the, all of the body transformations mm, um, because that's okay. something I just it, I don't do well with gross and like body horror stuff and okay. that. This may have been like the beginning of me <laughs> being terrified <laughs> of that kind of stuff. Um, but what's funny, like, where yes, Chris Sarandon is so like shines like the sun in this movie like ironically but um i had a big crush on charlie um mm. for like that's what i remember liking and he was also i was also weirdly obsessed with mannequin 2 which he's also in <laughs> <laughs> and herman's head was on which i was into too i think that got like one season but like i really had a crush on him and now i watch it and he's like my least favorite part of the movie right he's like he's kind of a dick he's, yeah kind of sucks well when your first scene is not listening when your girlfriend says stop like oh i know i was i, I, was like, I, oh, yeah. I wrote notes down to that i was like so he is a shit boyfriend is basically what i wrote right yeah but i mean that, that like i didn't pick up any of that stuff like no you no. know how many years ago but it's like so interesting to see how like i feel that's a trope in a lot of those 80s movies though it's like come on give me a break and she's like, i know no i don't want to and then she's like oh, okay i'm ready now and then mm-hmm. he's like i'm distracted by the sexy man across the, <laughs> uh-huh. across the way uh-huh. i have never thought about it in those terms but you're totally right Oh, no, this movie is completely... Terry's got amazing queer readings of this movie. This movie, I like, okay, let, let's let's break this down, first of all. Yeah. There are three gay, gay actors in this movie. Roddy McDowell is, is gay, and he was closeted his entire life. You have uh, Stephen Jeffries, who plays Evil Dead. He's gay, and he did gay porn in the 90s. No shit, really? Mm. Yes, he was in gay porn in the 90s. And also... Uh, 
the woman that plays Amy. She's gay. Yeah, Amanda Burst, which I who I remember from uh, Married with Children. Oh yeah, that's oh, right. Wow. Which is probably yeah, has not aged very gay. well at all. But yeah. <laughs> but okay, so we have three actors that are gay. So there's and then there's the idea of this like the he moves in next door. He has a live-in help who, let's be honest, they're totally gay mm. for each other. Uh, Billy and and uh, Jerry, and so he moves in next door and like. When he's talking with when when Charlie talks with with Evil Ed and Evil Ed is giving him advice and he's like, so where do you expect the vampire to attack next? He's like, tonight, my bedroom. And then he literally comes out of Charlie's closet in the Mm -hmm. in the attack scene, like he's hiding in there for him. And Evil Ed makes all these little comments, like when when they break up, he's like, so she finally found out what you really like. And then there's the scene where 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 they're all at Dandridge's house and he's and he's telling him they can all come back anytime he's like that goes for you too Ed. i expect we have the same a lot of the same interests there's like so many little little moments in there that that speak up that like talk to that mm-hmm. but the thing that that really makes me sad we talked about it a little bit but i really want to dig in a little is a little bit more is evil ed's death mm-hmm. because there's like two things going on in here the first one is a kid who was so it so bothered me because it was the first time that um, I think I had seen male nudity on screen. Mm, okay. And it's, it's, it's combined with this very prolonged death sequence. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, it was really sad to me because like I, I saw myself in that little weirdo. Like I didn't realize at the time that, you know, he was, he was gay or whatever, but like I, I saw myself in him. And so the whole scene is very painful, even when I didn't know why it was. Wow. But the other thing is there's like there's this subtext to it that you have Stephen Jeffries again who is gay and you have Roddy McDowell who is gay. Mm-hmm. Roddy never came out. It was only until posthumously that his friends would confirm that he was in, he was gay. Mm. And so like that whole extended sequence going from when Evil Ed it goes to his his house and he tells him I used to admire you. Of course that's before I found out you were a fake. It just feels really resonant to me because, like, again, you have Rod McDowell, who was closeted, and you have Stephen Jeffries, who was, um, at the time, I, I believe, at the, if he wasn't going to be openly gay at the time, but he was going to be, uh, he was going to come out a little bit after that. So you had, like, this kind of pull of, like, this deep closeted man that, you know, a gay person would look up to as being a, a, a leader in you know, and someone to look up to, but he wouldn't come out of the closet. Mm -hmm. And then you have a scene where he's reaching out. Mm. He's reaching out to Vincent and Vincent doesn't provide him any comfort. He looks at him with like this mix of like sadness and disgust Mm -hmm. and horror, but he doesn't reach out to help. And so like that scene, just like watching it now, just like really, really hits me in the stomach. Mm hmm. Yeah, watching the look on Vincent's face really kind of broke my heart when I was watching this and just thinking about everything that that meant for evil. And I choose to believe that if Amy can come back, then that um, Ed can also. And we hear his voice at the end. And I like to think that, like, he I don't know how, but he came back and is able to, like, live the life that he wants to live now. But I mean, maybe that is being a vampire. You know, maybe that's that is there's that interesting scene, too, when Jerry is saying like when Jerry is transforming him or biting him and saying like, I can't remember exactly what he's saying, but he's like, they won't pick on you anymore. And like, it's better this way, you know? Yeah. He says, you don't have to be afraid of me. I know what it's like being different. They Mm. won't pick on you anymore or beat you up. I'll see to that. All I have to do is take my hand. Mm. And he calls him here, Edward. He doesn't call him Ed. He doesn't call him evil Ed. He says, here, Edward, take my hand. Mm. And then it's like. He pulls him under his, you know, 
really cool trench coat and then mm-hmm. like a like a cape but it's like it's just it, there's there's so much of that like and some of it is unintended i mean you know it's it's like the the his death scene is is completely unintentional that it would be resonant but just the idea that it's filmed like in the 80s when the aids crisis is going on and you yeah. had like gay people watching other gay people dying unable to do anything to help them mm-hmm. it's like man it's it's heavy stuff now <laughs> watching it back like with adult eyes mm-hmm. whereas before i was like her mouth is like a shark i love this <laughs> <laughs> I love Amy's transformation. I do too. And I love her in this movie. Um, Oh my God. Oh my gosh. That scene with her and Jerry is so sexual. And and that may have been when I, when I kind of was like, Oh, this is, this is new because there's a moment where she kind of jolts up a little bit. And then we very clearly see that he did not bite her. So we know that Mm -hmm. he did something and it's, it was just like, Oh my gosh, this is so, this is such a sexual movie in so many ways, you know? Well, and the whole thing is like definitely like about losing your virginity for the first time too. Mm -hmm. Like, well, he even like quiets her because she's like, almost she's going to say I'm a virgin. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. I got this. He bites her and like, you know, when you have sex for the first time, women, the women are thought to bleed and like she's bleeding and she's shuddering and gasping. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. How old is she? This is Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable, but also really (laughs) erotic. And I feel very uncomfortable and have a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. But wow. Like, what a moment. What a scene. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, all I knew was that music. (laughs) <laughs> so weird. just imagining away well that's so funny that's actually so funny because i had a similar experience with um coppola's dracula like the scene mm. where he has like the or where jonathan has the orgy with like the the wives mm-hmm. i wasn't allowed to watch it and so i didn't know there was an orgy in that movie until much later in life and i was like wait <laughs> is, this a, is this a deleted scene and they're like no <laughs> it, it's it's so weird like what what the, the things that parents will do for like blocking out the, the sex side of things like and it, it ingrained in me so much that like even when I was watching friend or movies with friends, I would cover my eyes if there was like inappropriate nudity on because oh, wow. I was like, I can't I don't want this to be taken away from me. <laughs> so weird. So interesting. Wow. That was so weird. So have you guys seen the remake? The 2011, I think, remake with Colin Farrell? Yes. I watched it this morning, actually. Um, I watched it today as well. I saw you tweeting. I was like, I know what you're watching. (laughs) (laughs) Anton Gilkin, R.I.P. Oh, my gosh. I know. So upsetting. He's the best. I know. And Colin Farrell is really good in this movie. Although, if you compare him to Chris Sarandon, like, there is a warmth that Jerry in the original has to him. Like, he is not 100% terrifying all the way through that I think is really like endearing and i think the original movie just kind of has a warmth to it that the the remake doesn't have although i do think the remake is scarier yeah Um, but i was so excited when i found out there was going to be a remake and i really like the remake um there's i don't think it's as good as the original but like i used to (laughs) when i was teaching i had to um do these portfolios every spring break that would take like days at a time and i would just have to sit down and like knock it all out and this and cabin in the woods i would just put on repeat and just like have them on while i was doing all this work so yeah i do i really like the um the remake i think they did like we were just talking about the the charlie or the ed scenes like i think they made some really smart choices with the remake um 
as far as like who David Tennant, like what Peter Vincent's character is. And like, they're not like I, I, now I could totally be missing this, but I don't really read any queer subtext in the update. Um, no, I, I read it I more like really as a, a tale about bullying and kind of growing mm-hmm. up, you know, which I really, I like that the way they leaned into that. But yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I just don't think it's as good, but it's hard to beat perfection. So, you know. <laughs> You know, I agree, but it, it is one of those remakes that I think actually does a, a decent job of of reinterpreting mm-hmm. the the movie. Yeah, because like I, rewatching it today, I was like, oh, there it's it is completely. It has some of the similar beats and some of the similar characters, but like it does things completely different from the original, which I think is to its strength. I don't mm-hmm. like it when remakes are just like, you know, like or like the Psycho remake, yeah, you know, for instance, <laughs> or like even like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, which. Mm-hmm is problematic for many different reasons, but you know, it's like if you're going to do something and take on something iconic, you got to try to put a different spin on it. And Mm, I, and I I think the new one kind of does that. I think so too. And I think it mostly works. Yeah. Um, I, I, what, what stuck out to me and I, I tweeted about this today too, is, is the, the use, I forgot that this movie was filmed with 3d in mind. So Mm. like, (laughs) there's like some scenes where like the bucket comes flying through the glass, the screen, or like, there's like the amulet that they focus on that's suspended in the water. And they're like, there's little spurts of blood that come right at the screen. I'm like, man, this is definitely filmed at that sweet spot of 3d. Mm. (laughs) When when that was a trend that we all were paying. When that was a huge trend. Ridiculous amounts of money for that. Yeah, I know, man. I think I actually saw it in the theaters in 3D. And I, oh my God, amazing. I know, but I don't remember it being in 3D because, like, it was like, it's like the Friday the 13th 3D one where they're just like, oh, we can make this shot 3D. Let's do it. You know, like, it doesn't, it's not like, like, what's the blue people movie? Avatar. Avatar. Yeah, yeah. It's not like that where it's like integral to the story and it, like, is really cool. It's like, let's do 3D. Here you go. Yeah. Throw things at the screen because we can. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Or like, Friday the 13th, we're going to have this really long shot of a yo yo coming directly at you. (laughs) Exactly. Right. I mean, and it's pivotal to the plot, so I'm glad they kept it in, but, you know. (laughs) Now, I... I, I'm sure you have because of your avatar, Jen, but have you seen the sequel? (laughs) I have. It has been a long time um, since I've seen it, but I do remember really liking it, but I also remember it was... And, I mean, I love love vampires, and I love female vampires, and I love Mm -hmm. strong women in movies, Um, so that all came together into this one, like, happy vampire movie for me. I don't... It's been a really long time since I saw it, and when I picked my avatar, it was more to be a female vampire rather than to be mm-hmm. Fright Night 2. But gotcha. I do remember watching this movie and it was kind of one of my first realizations of a sequel kind of trying to be the original in a different way, you know? Mm-hmm. Rather than like telling more of the story. You know? Yeah. Have you seen it, Mary Beth? I have not. I really like it. I hated it as a kid. <laughs> okay. Because it didn't have like, you know, the same... Because... It didn't have Amy in it, I don't believe. I don't think so. And he's um, got a, a newer, hotter girlfriend. And I right. said that in air quotes because Amanda Beers is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, I watched it, and again, I obviously don't remember all of it, but, like, I watched it again a few years ago because there, it's not available here in the States, but there is a region-free German release of it. Mm. Um, and I bought that on from, like, Amazon UK or something like that. Huh. And... It's um I it, it's held up really well. I think it, in some ways it's a lot more overtly queer than really? the, the original Friday Night. Okay, and like it, it's 
it's good from what I remember. I, I don't remember a lot about it, even still watching it again, but I, it was one of those that I did not like as a kid because it changed too much of the original and mm-hmm. it didn't feel mm-hmm. as the, the same. Cause like it was a little bit more urban setting vice the, like the cityscape vice, like the, sub- the suburbia. And it was like, mm. it just didn't do it for me as a kid. But, mm-hmm. um, as an adult, I, I do think it's it's kind of held up. You should yeah. check it out again. I feel like it's one of those that's kind of in the zeitgeist to be reappraised. You know, mm, like I've yeah. noticed people talking about it more and more recently. All it's waiting for is, is like some U.S. release for people to start writing op- op- op-eds about how it's actually really good. Yeah, that does make it hard when you can't actually watch it. You know, so <laughs> yeah. really. so like I said, you can order the German Blu-ray. Nice. It's- it it works. I I own it. Hey, and maybe um, if we talk it up, we'll get them to bring it back. Hell yeah! Them, be great. Like this is them of the universe. <laughs> them. <you know? laughs> now, what? I have to go back to Billy. What is Billy? What? He's a handyman, he's, right? Yeah. I was like, what are you talking? About? Well, and the remake doesn't have Billy. That's one no. of the big, the bigger but, like omissions, you know. But he's like he's not a vampire, but he's mm. obviously some yeah. kind of like creature of some sort because i don't think humans at least that i in my knowledge turn into pea soup when they get stabbed <laughs> right you don't yeah <laughs> well. i mean we can try it i turn into cake <laughs> we're not we're not cake no, no, no. <laughs> sorry oh i'll stop my god. god damn it it came, it came up <laughs> oh yeah sorry i'll, I'll uh, no it's see me. myself out <laughs> am i no. human or am i cake or am i pea soup <laughs> i'd rather be pea soup i think um, yeah, he because he's like he doesn't he's not like Renfield and he's like constantly saying master to Jerry like they seem to be yeah. on pretty equal footing with each other you know mm-hmm. but he can come out in the sunlight and he doesn't die like but then on the other hand like how does evil Ed how is he a werewolf you know and that not was a my vampire? question I was like but why is he a wolf. I guess maybe they just had the effects and they were like... I mean, I guess like there are some stories where vampires can turn into wolves. I guess there Mm -hmm. really isn't like a hard and fast bat rule. But I I always remember like vampires could turn into mist, bats, or wolves. Yeah. (laughs) Mist. Mm -hmm. I just want to turn into mist. Yeah, what... what, Billy was the handyman. um, Mm -hmm. The lover. (laughs) But... Yes. mm -hmm. Oh my god. The scene after... uh, Charlie in the, in the bedroom with mm-hmm. him when he gets stabbed in his hand and he and Jerry's calling him on the phone and it's like a, a send up of the same scene from the very beginning where he's like biting the girl in front of the window. Mm-hmm. He's standing in front of the window and fucking Billy is on his knees in front of him cleaning mm-hmm. his hand. I'm like, okay, this is so erotic right here. Mm-hmm. And like really like gentle and tender too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely felt like a, he was a Renfield character but not as subservient like they were mm-hmm. on par but again like what kind of creature i don't know if he was a vampire he wasn't a vampire because he's out during the day right mm-hmm. like right is he a werewolf maybe he's like know. some like, kind of zombie or something like yeah. undead server i don't know i think he's obviously old as maybe as old as as jerry is because like he turns into sand at the very end so like mm-hmm. that kind of like yeah kind of told me that maybe he's like been around for a while but I, it's always something ever since i was a kid i was always like what is he 
<laughs> yeah. What are you? <laughs> His death, too, is so, like, endearingly hilarious. And I hate saying that about a character I really likes death. But, like, over aside from the gore, like, when he creeps up the steps and you see Peter Vincent and Charlie, like, this is when I was like, okay, they know they're being campy right here. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, what was that? And they don't turn around and look. And then they're, like, huddled together watching this extended scene of him, like, green gooping all over the place and they don't run away and it's just like the reaction shots that keep cutting back to them like i love this movie this is so much yes. fun we i also want to give a shout out to uh to peter vincent because i didn't i forgot how funny uh, mm-hmm. Rodney mcdowell is in this like even the very when he's first introduced in the in the movie that that charlie's watching i totally didn't realize until this watch that he's holding the stake backwards <laughs> When he's like going, when he's like going after the 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 female vampire in like the the movie, mm-hmm. he holds up like the hammer and the stake, but the stake is facing him. I don't think I noticed oh, that. <laughs> oh, I didn't so, like, notice that. It's such a, a small little moment, but it's like, oh, this is he is so campy. <laughs> and like the the scene where where they're going to him to ask for help, and and he, and they're like, oh, you want my autograph? He's like, no, this is much more important. Mm-hmm. What could be more important than my autograph? <laughs> I do love that line. Uh, I just, I love him so much. I do too. I was obsessed with him for a long time after this, but it never like the things he was in never seemed to pop up on my radar. And I was like, no. Oh, where's Randy McDowell? Yeah. <laughs> and I think and, David Tennant in the remake, actually, I like his character a lot. He's oh, maybe, oh, yes. aside from Anton Yelchin, he may be one of my favorite parts of that movie. Well, David Tennant yeah. is just delicious and amazing. Yes. And I think he understands what that role is, too. Yeah. Yes. The scene where, like, you know, he comes off of, of being on stage and he's, like, talking with, with, with Charlie, Anton Yelchin, and, and he's just, like, stripping away all of the, like, you know, accoutrements that are his character. Mm-hmm. You know, he takes off his hair and then he's taking off his eyelashes and he's taking off his must. Like, just the way he's, like, stripping back and you see what he what he really is. It's it's, it's such a, a funny little moment that mm-hmm. I think that was a great reinvention of, of Peter Vincent's character. I think so, too. Um, I also love Charlie's mom. Yes. Yeah, she's giving them like sex advice, and they're like, yes. "Mom, we're in high school." It's like, oh my god! <laughs> or like when she makes him hot cocoa, and he's like, "Mom, I don't eat hot cocoa. I didn't have a nightmare." <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so silly. It's so it silly. She's sweet. Well, and speaking of Charlie's mom, like Tony Collette in the remake oh. is oh god. Great. I mean, she's always amazing, but like, I love that she's a bigger part of the story in that movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. I remember watching. Then 2011 one and watching, re- revisiting the original Fright Night, being like, wait, I thought the mom had a bigger role in it because of mm. Tony Collette's role in um, the 2011 Fright Night. But yeah, and I love Tony Collette, Queen forever. Oh, yeah. yeah, Charlie's mom's really not a factor after um, getting like stuck in her bedroom. Yeah, like, the night that <laughs> he breaks really, in. No, she's working that night. That was That's so true. funny. Yeah, is, and I mean they set that up, so it makes sense. But so Terry, do we want to give us some ratings out of five? That sounds great. So Terry, how many "You're so cool, Brewsters" out of five <laughs> do you give Fright Night? You're so cool, Brewster. You're I so love cool this movie. <laughs> I this is a full five out of five for me. I I love this movie. I've loved this movie ever since I was a kid. It's one that I love to go revisit every single time I watch it. I'm picking up new things. I think that the fact that it started out for me as being like this amazing little special effects extravaganza that kind of brought vampires into 
um, the quote unquote real world for me has turned into an appreciation of like a lot of the subtext for it. I think this movie is fantastic. It's one of my favorite movies of the eighties and it's one of my favorite movies. I think period. I just, I I love it. I, it it's my kind of comfort food. It is mm-hmm. my hot cocoa whenever <laughs> oh. I have a nightmare. Oh, I love that. <laughs> what about you, Mary Beth? Um, I think I will give it five years of cool Brewsters out of five. Um oh, yeah. I haven't seen this in so long and revisiting it today. It was like a warm blanket. It was so nice to watch and it reminded mm-hmm. me why I love vampires so much and how versatile vampires are and how cool they are and how hot they are and how gross they are, and that's why I love <laughs> them so much. And I think it's just like and I, I feel like it's set a blueprint for a lot of teen horror movies that we've mm-hmm. seen, like The Wretched that came out recently and a lot of other yeah. teen horror movies. And it's just delicious, if I say so, may say, may say so myself. <laughs> as delicious as Chris Delicious, Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> Jen, how many Brewster, You're So Cool Brewsters out of five do you give I, Friday night? I gotta give it five You're So Cool Brewsters. It's just so, like you were saying, like, and it hits my nostalgia sweet spot because I just Mm -hmm. have had such a, like, this movie has always been a part of my life. And this was the first horror movie I think I ever saw. So it kind of, like, awakened this thing that has been such a big part of my life and now has become such an important part of my life. And, like, it, it's just so, I feel like it's rare movies that can really marry um, fun and like scary and like this and like gross and then like a deeper meaning that I can really dig into, which is what I really love about horror. And it just, Chris Sarandon just is amazing in this role. And not just because he's hot, although he is like beautiful, but like he just, he's a person as a vampire, you know? And I feel like yes. we don't see that as much. A lot of times it's either like angsty teen vampires who aren't scary at all or like just murderous vampires with no humanity to them. And I think he's just so charismatic in this role. Um, and it's now that I'm older. He feels like a real character. He really does. Yeah. And as yeah. much as I love Colin Farrell, like, I feel like that's missing in the remake. And and it just really shows how much, like, he brought to this role um, of Jerry. And I just love it. I could ramble on forever about it. But, yeah, it's <laughs> into my top five of horror movies of all time. Well, and it's like, it's those little things, like even the fact that throughout the entire movie, he's eating apples, mm-hmm. right? It's like, yes. there's all these little tiny character beats that, that makes it more than just that kind of stock vampire character. And the way he eats the apple by like eating out the core of it. Eating out the core. Right? Oh, yes. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for coming to talk with us about, gosh, Fright Night. <laughs> yeah. I love this movie. Well, I just had a... <laughs> where uh, can our listeners find you and what do you have coming up that you'd like to share um, well you can find me on all the socials at Jen Ferratu with two N's um, you can find me on Mondays on the Horror Virgin and we um, the I think the most recent episode or dropping the same day we just did Attack the Block so that was really fun Ooh. oh hell yeah yeah I love, dude, Attack the Block. love that movie um, spoilers for my thoughts on it um, <laughs> but we all you can also occasionally find me on the Losers club um and you can now find me on psychoanalysis so we just um i think coming this week is going to be our episode on let's scare jessica to death um talking about anxiety and then up next we're going to do a whole month on um toxic and abusive relationships um and we're going to look at midsummer and (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah midsummer and the invisible man so that's going to be some like meaty content so yeah that's awesome 
So listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What was your experience with Fright Night? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, keep the conversation going by following uh, the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our amazing music. And thank you to everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>